The Alexa Conference is a national conference for builders, business owners, consumers, hobbyists, anybody interested in the voice space, specifically around Amazon Alexa, to come together, talk about ideas, present what we've been doing, and just collaborate as a community. It's January 15th through the 17th of 2019 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's put on by Voice First FM, and our team at Voice First has gotten invited not only to attend the conference, but to compete in one of the challenges they call Five Minutes for Five Startups. The event is for companies that are releasing products and services on Amazon Alexa to have five minutes to demonstrate to a set of judges what they have been building, the, either the products or services that they've been putting out for the community. There is going to be a board of judges from diverse sets of backgrounds and the winner of the competition gets $2,500. We are very grateful and very excited to go and present at this competition to show the community a little bit more of what we've been working on as a team, what we've been releasing, and uh, give everybody a look in 2019 what we're doing. This is the first voice-related event we've been able to find in 2019. And it's down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So if you're in the area and you want to meet up, let us know if you're going to the conference. That way we can collaborate. We can get an episode of the podcast with you on it. Because while we're there, one of our biggest things that we're going to try to do is to document as much as we can about the current state of voice from the participants of the conference. So we want to sit down with people who are giving the speeches to try to see what their perspectives are. We want to film and put out YouTube videos of what the people are doing at the conference, the talks that are being given. Any way that we can document and put out the experience, we want to because this event is a timestamp of what voice is in 2019. Imagine if at the first Alexa conference hosted by Voice for or hosted by Voice First FM, they would have gone and documented the experience and put it out live. Then today they'd be able to see how it's changed over time. And all of that content is a lot more meaningful when you look at it in hindsight to really see how far we've come in the meantime. I've been looking through a lot of the the sessions and it looks like they, they spread out the event by doing some keynote sessions and then they'll do breakout sessions and then they'll come back for keynotes and then it, it flows through a cycle over two days or three days, 15th, 16th and 17th of January through breakout sessions and keynotes and then a few other events in between. During some of the breakout sessions, they break it out into the, the three main categories that they have, uh, which is healthcare, consumer marketing, I believe, and then business. The Voice First Conference, they, they have a few national conferences. They have one for healthcare. I, I want to say that they have one for business. And then they have this one, which is the more broad, general Alexa conference. So at this conference is where they're going to, it's all encompassing, just a general look, where's voice at? at the start of the year so it's a good time for everybody to check in see where everybody else is at and to set goals moving forward I think myself I'm going to be going to a lot of these dev sessions into the keynotes and breakout sessions with a notebook my laptop and an open mind and a bunch of questions and I think when I leave there I'm going to learn a lot of tools that are going to make the processes that we're already doing with building voice apps much more efficient it's gonna give us ideas on how we can include more features and more technologies into the apps that we build. And ultimately, to have more relationships, both on the business side, people who are trying to build voice apps for their companies to generate revenue, 
and to add value to their customers' lives. And then on the other side, the creators, the people who have been heavily using and developing in this space, the people who already know what the technology is capable of, with them, I want to network to try to learn from them. And so, so those are the two sides. I want to provide value for the business owners who are there who want to learn more because we as Voice First, we know a lot and we, we do have expertise, but at the same time, we're still learning. We have only been a company for a little over a year legally. Before that, it was a bunch of individuals. So there's a lot that we still have to learn. So I wanna use this as an opportunity to learn from the experts that are out there and to document and share that knowledge to try to contribute to the open source voice community so that everybody can be a part of this, whether or not you're at the event, because the tickets are really expensive. It's about, it's over $1,000 for an individual to go to the conference. So for those of you that aren't able to go, keep checking in on the podcast because we're going to have a lot of interviews while we're there. We're going to be releasing a lot of content. We're going to be documenting the experience to try to make it better. RJ, welcome. Thanks for having me, boys. You got your phone working. I did. I had some unreliable chargers and... It's okay. No. We've out. I just finished talking about the Voice First conference in general. I was um, I was introducing the conference and talking about how we got invited to be on the five startups in five minutes, and talking about what's going to be happening at the conference and all of the speakers and keynotes. Can you talk about how you've been able to get us involved? One in being an attendee at the podcast and then or at the conference, and then how you got us hooked up with that event, the five startups in five minutes? So I reached out to, I first don't remember how I saw the conference initially. I, probably from following people on Twitter that were in the voice space, just to know what's going on. Saw the conference, reached out to someone that was sponsoring the conference, who it just so happened that Pat Sweetman had been working with earlier and helped build actually some of their product reached out to him, which me working with Pat had a little bit of effect on our, you know, my clout communicating with him. He responded well. We had a conversation. He said it would be great if we could come help him. Um, We could reach out to the guy that's running the program. So I emailed Bradley and also um, Matt, and then these guys are the, these are the guys that are setting up the conference. Um, and when I reached out to Bradley, I said that, you know, the person I reached out to that was sponsoring the event, Stuart said for me to reach out to you. So I had, you know, Stuart behind me. So then Bradley said, Oh yeah, of course, like you guys could definitely come. Um, and this is for free. Also the conference is $599 a ticket. Um, also being students, we leveraged that we were students that, People are always very generous to students. Um, then Bradley reached out uh, just yesterday and asked, hey, we have a spot in five starters to get five minutes. Would you guys like to present? And we said, of course we would. And so now we'll be presenting in front of um, VPs from VaynerMedia, a VP from VaynerMedia um, and one of the leaders of the Alexa Fund, which is over a billion dollar fund that you know is obviously investing in companies that are building things for Alexa. So it's pretty exciting. Um, but it's all about just 
being scrappy. Um, and, you know, people are really willing to help, especially if you're a student. We're pretty scrappy right now, trying to leverage all the technologies that we can that allow us to do better work without having to spend as much money. Some of those choices are like using Jovo, an open source framework that lets us build out two technologies, Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa in once. I think it'll be really cool to get interact with uh, the VP of VaynerMedia and to get to interview a lot of the other people that are there who are interacting both on the business side and on the expert side of, of, uh, of voice. And the fact that we get to take our entire team down, I think that's gonna give us a chance to accelerate a lot faster than other teams are going to be able to. Like I'm thinking if our team didn't go to the, this two-day event, speaking of which, I think I got the dates wrong. I think I, it sounds like I accidentally said January 17th to 19th. RJ, can you correct me? Is it the 15th yeah, to the 17th? Yeah, uh, January, Tuesday, January 15th to Thursday, January 17th. Okay, but and then it's down in Chattanooga. And I also got the cost of the ticket wrong. Originally, I said it was over yeah. 1000 but the tickets are around well, $500. Well, if we had four people going, that would have been $2,400. So, I mean, you know. It's been amazing to get to interact with Stuart at the event. The voice community is, is very small, as we found out yesterday with Renato. But students, students, actually, what you said was really a good point, that if you leverage the fact that you're a student, it's going to go a long way. I initially thought that I didn't want to show the fact that I was a student. I thought that people would see it as being unprofessional, but RJ is starting to show me that there's actually benefits with being a student. And I think we do have, we do have a lot of student listeners. We have Zane Raza who runs the upstarts podcast. He's a student in high school and he's building for voice and he listens to this podcast. We've got the guest that we had on yesterday is Renato. He lives down in Brazil and he's building Google actions and he's also, um, I, I believe he's a college student, a recent graduate, but he was just a student. So if you are a student and you're trying to get to these events and you're operating on a high school student or a college student's budget, RJ has just talked about a way to get to go to these higher class, upper priced events without having to break the bank because we as students provide a lot of value that they don't see. We are young minds. We are curious minds. We are we have a different perspective than a lot of people who are jaded in the industry. So our ability to go in and give these business owners a run for their money, to show them the technologies that we've been dealing with, to, to start showing the ways that we're excited about this technology, it brings a bigger and more well-rounded communication and collaboration to the event when people are able to listen to us and to see a group of five different startups, some who are in established companies summer who are in scrappy startups all give their perspectives on what they're doing. I think that's really what makes this event so amazing is the ability to bring such a diverse group of people who all have that shared commonality, that shared thread of voice. We all love voice. We're all applying it in different ways, in different industries, in different fields. We're all jumping in at different times. Some of us are experts in the field and we've been here for generations doing software development. Others of us are young and we're still students. And we're executing as voice as our first platform. <laughs> like for us, voice is really the first software company that we've gotten to work for. Yeah, I got to work with Amazon and I got to work with Uptake and GE. But owning it and feeling like it's really mine and shaping the future of it, voice has felt like the first technology I've gotten to do that with. I, I think that voice first, I think that our business, you and I right now on this podcast, 
we're creating the future of voice that people are going to look back on in 10 years and they're going to be like, wow, how did they see that this was coming? Well, I, I think the answer is we're creating it. It's not coming. It's, it's not written in the sands. It's us creating it. And these events are the major stamps. Like these podcasts are also timestamps, Instagram posts, tweets, all of those are timestamps and the experts are the ones who are really creating those timestamps. But at these events, these are the big timestamps. I remember when I was reading the book uh, by O'Reilly. O'Reilly is a big publishing company. They publish pretty much all of the books around coding and how he describes it is they're giving the coders the pickaxes to make the gold rush possible. And he's talking about the conferences that they set up around web 2.0 back before the internet was really a thing. And back when they had conferences where they really sat down and established the principles and tenets of open source software, it's like, wow, those are individual events where the people at them had a really big say in the future of those technologies. And yes, it is possible to shape the future and it's possible to shape the technologies without being involved in those communities, but it really helps and it really greases those wheels and makes it that much more possible when we sit down and we're all present at these conferences and we all, we all are just conscious that this is the future that we're creating. January of 2019, there's going to be a group of people all around the world that are going to gather together at this conference. And we're going to say, voice is what we're all going to talk about. This is on our minds. We think it's going to be very powerful, not just for the present, but for the future. How can we make this better for every single person in attendance at the conference? So I, I hope that the conference has a good diversity of people there, ranging in all demographics of age, gender, race and cultures. So that way we can really create solutions, ideas and conversations that are going to benefit the widest group of people because voice has the power to change every, everything. Voice is how humans naturally communicate. We're born and we're raised learning how to communicate using our voices. If we can figure out how to make technology that's pervasive across all of society that leverages voice first and also benefits all groups of people equally, that is going to be really impactful technology and and we're in now in that we're able to create language models for different languages and these technologies are naturally now able to be bilingual that's a great start it's creating the foundation for where all cultures and all types of people are able to interact together in a collaborative environment so now at this conference it's going to be a great chance for us to flex those muscles to see what we've got and to really start implementing RJ, I, I realized now that I've been talking for a while, is there anything that you're really excited about going to the conference? Like for me, I really want to, I'm excited for the technology and to get to learn more about voice. For you, what are you looking forward to about going to the voice I'm excited conference? for you to talk to the developers who are really doing cutting edge stuff. Some of these companies are, one company is, they are doing high value, or I'm sorry, they, they are doing strong authorization through voice so that you could say transfer $10,000 with your voice and things like that. So I'm excited for you to talk to those people. I'm excited to talk to, I'm excited to network with people that are really building out billion dollar companies and voice. Like that's what I really, that's what I want to talk to. Um, if you haven't, I would check out how to network on YouTube. It's a video by Tim Ferriss. Just go how to network Tim Ferriss, type it into YouTube. Check that out. Uh, he, he does a lot of uh, good tips for that. Well, he, he has a lot of – he at South by Southwest uh, st is where he launched his 
four hour work week book. And he did that just by individually talking to people and then waiting for them to ask him about his work. Then he would, at the end of the conversation, say, recommend a single chapter of his book that they read or something like that. So it might be possible for us to recommend a podcast that this person listened to or something like that. Um, And he also has a a whole podcast episode. It's an hour long about how to build a world-class network in record time. That might be a good one to check out before we go. Um, I think it'll be fun for us to break up and go check out different things. Um, You know, I think whatever you do, you know, I mean, whatever you're most interested in is what we'll do. Um, But so they have a, the way they're setting it up is that they have a certain keynotes, but then they have kind of breakout tracks where there's different areas of focus that um, people are building different things for Alexa. Anyways, the, the categories are storytelling, healthcare, consumer marketing, and smart home. And so I'm thinking now just, just the fact that there's only four of these areas. Okay. What's the fifth area that we can then invent ourselves and then build out. And we're the only person in this area. So that's just a question that maybe I wanted to ask you. Do you know which uh, conferences they have? Cause this is the voice first. I didn't even realize until Stuart said it voice first has a few conferences around the nation throughout the year. They've got this one, which is like the overarching Alexa yeah. one, right? And then they have a, do you know what the other conferences are that they put um, on? I know they have the voice first for healthcare. They have Alexa world fair, but I think Alexa world fair is within the actual conference one. Yeah. The oh, Alexa okay. world fair is just part of the conference. It's like a section in the conference. I could look up voice conferences. I looked up voice conference. There's a voice first conference. that's not put on by voice first FM. It was like, it was labeled as the, the fall voice, voice conference out of, the list, out of the list that you said, healthcare is really interesting to me a lot of, because when we're giving tech talks, I feel like one of the pervasive questions is, is people asking about healthcare. They're asking, Hey, people with disabilities, how can they, how can their service in the hospital be improved? Hey, for people who are restricted to their bedside, how are people using voice to make their lives better? In hospitals where there's so much technology, every single thing that you interact with has some form of computer with it. How can we tie together the entire healthcare experience using voice? Like I just explained right there, just a lot of hospital applications, but even outside when people are trying to get their prescriptions filled or when people are trying to go for a doctor's checkup. We've, we've had someone on the podcast in the past. What, who was it? It was Smith. Was it yeah. Smith Patel? Yeah, Smith Patel came on and he had a great talk with us about voice first in healthcare and how Alexa could be used in one application in the doctor's office to start collecting some preliminary information from the patients. And that's just one application. I think afterwards, Patrick went and sent me a vending machine for healthcare's to be able to dispense your prescriptions from a vending machine and to get refills in these plastic containers from vending machines. And then outside of healthcare, um, consumer, the smart home, I'm interested in mostly to learn. I don't know that the most challenging hurdle for people to get into the smart home from the business side is they have to develop both this. Well, they have to develop all three. They have to develop the software, the hardware, and the business. Whereas 
with a lot of what we do, we, we just have to develop the software and the business. So at the hardware, they have that extra hurdle of, we also have to create the hardware that, that complements and augments the software and the software has to work well with the hardware. And then we have to create this business model around the whole thing. So I want to see how people are doing that to see like, yeah, we could go on their website and we could see what their marketing looks like and we can look at what their reviews are, but to see the founder or a representative of the company up on stage talking about it to see how he explains it, his, his donation, I'm kind of going to take, so one of the things that voice is really good at is expressing all of that emotion. Unlike text and other forms of communication, you don't know in a text if someone's angry or if they're being sarcastic or yeah. if they're being silly unless they're using emojis. But, but with voice, you can convey volume, you can convey speed, you can convey tone, accent, which allows you to convey a lot more emotion. And I feel like it gives us a better understanding of what it is they're thinking. So to see the founder or, again, the representative up on stage and to hear how they're saying it, in addition to what it is they're saying, I think is going to give us a lot of good information that then we'll be able to regroup together and say, I liked what you said with us splitting off and going to different sessions. I hope, I hope that we do that because I, I, I think you're right. I think the impulse is going to be, okay, let's follow Pat and where, where I want to go. And I'll want to, I have things that I want to see and I'm really interested in, but I'm curious to see what you guys are interested in as well. Cause I think that's how people will retain the most information. Like I, do you agree? I think if Carlos went and he was going to the things that he was most excited about, then when we all went back to our Airbnb at night, we'd be able to have a better conversation. Yes, you agree? for sure. I think that our best podcasts will come the day after we leave the conference, like the, the evenings, and we'll have good conversations. We'll maybe have a couple podcasts and look for podcast guests that we could bring on. You know, like, hey, we're recording a podcast tonight. Do you want to come to our Airbnb and record one? <laughs> do you think they're gonna do you think they're going to let us do much documentation of the event or do you think that they're going to be a little bit restrictive on the amount of documentation you can do of I think that we're like, going do you think to we'll be able ask to ask for forgiveness not permission good philosophy I love that philosophy especially in innovative technologies like think of some of the really successful companies right now that people are that's really disrupting a lot of industries you've got Uber ignored, well, didn't ignore. They went and executed. They're, they're asking for forgiveness rather than permission in the taxi and carpooling industry. The transportation companies of Bird and Lime Scooter, they didn't ask for permission in all the cities. Well, they, I think they said they did. So they asked, but they didn't wait for the permission. They threw all the scooters down. They saw the success and started making money. And now they're going and they're putting, they're having the discussion. Rather than asking for permission, they're creating a discussion by executing first. They're executing to show people what's possible. And once people see what's possible, it happens. And then they start to talk about it. I, I couldn't, could you imagine Bird and Lime being what they are if they had waited and asked for permission? Or do you think that, the, they, that it would look totally different than it does now? I mean, I think it would just have moved a lot slower. You know, I mean, things take time. You have to check the rules. It's like, I mean, it, with a grain of salt, I mean, you know, you can't do certain things like ask for forgiveness, not permission is, you know, always with a grain of salt for things like, should we record at Alexa conference? Well, I mean, we're not hurting anyone if we do, 
you know, it might be against the rules. But then again, like if you're saying, oh, should we like go 150 miles an hour in a 25 mile per hour school zone? Um, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Like, you know, that's not really what it's all about. But I think we'll be all right. I think Bird, um, I don't know enough about the situation to, you know, even weigh in on that. But, you know, I'm usually I'm usually asking for forgiveness anyways. Move fast and brace things. I think the last – Go ahead. Move fast and break stuff, yeah. I think the last question I wanted to ask you is, what what are some how what's a practice that you have on social media that's helped to make you successful with networking whether it's on twitter or instagram or youtube how have you been able to network and connect with people that would otherwise be unattainable using social media on a daily basis so for i use mostly twitter to network but linkedin is good for when you're actually trying to get something done twitter's more just about ideas i think but also you could, you know, in the DMs is nice. Like I do a lot of work in the DMs with like Jan or other people that are in voice that we actually know, you know, just quick messages because I'll see they'll tweet something and I'll reference their tweet. Um, but like people that I look up to say Naval Ravikant, he has like, you know, over a million followers. I have gotten him to I mean, this uh, Twitter is an echo chamber of sorts where, you know, it's just like you shouting things and then, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere, but you can do a lot through it. And I think that people do watch. I think that all of all the tweets we send and such, there are probably only 10 people that are watching voice first tech closely, but that's what those tweets are for. So it's not, it shouldn't be most of your day. It should just be like a few minutes, but I would, if you want to get attention of someone, maybe you, if they tweet something, you know, it has to be a pretty recent tweet that has no responses. I would reply to it, ask a question, usually ask a question that is, you know, could, oh, it's kind of a alley-oop like Pat used likes to say that you ask a question and then they can kind of educate you and be a mentor to all. They aren't going to tweet something unless they seem smart and they seem like a mentor. They seem like a Yoda. So I would always ask like these questions, like sometimes Josh Wolf is a uh, venture capitalist for Lux Capital in New York city. He's got about 30,000 followers or so. I'll always ask him. He's a huge Tesla critic and I'm always like, and I'm an Elon Musk fanboy just about his, you know, anyways, I'll ask like, a question like I don't understand something because I really don't like when I ask questions I'm genuine I'm like I don't really get what you're saying can you kind of educate me and then I'll see an article about how Tesla's battery packs are actually working and I'll tweet and I'll be like have you seen this and he'll be like yes but didn't you realize that if there were a thousand of these battery like so they have solar farm connected to battery packs if they had a thousand of these facilities it would only be say a billion dollars in revenue or something, which is actually nothing right now. I don't remember the exact numbers. The point is that like, he's like, did you even think through this? And then kind of makes me look like a ding, a ding dong. But you know, it's like, Oh, well actually I'm having a conversation with this venture capitalist that I, you know, never would have been able to, unless I lived in a world with Twitter. 
Um, also, someone asked us to interview us and be in his book because of our perspectives on voice and things because he left that out of his book. And so he, you know, would not know that I'm working in voice unless I was tweeting about voice, unless I was interacting with voice first on Twitter, things like that. Um, but people are really willing to Let's, help. The key is to not go after like, make- the Tim Ferrises or the Naval Ravikants or the Gary V's, but to go after people that are smaller but might know more than you. Also, um, I have a Twitter account that I followed. I look at the, the, the top 25 venture capital firms of, I think it was 2017. It was just an article. I went through all 25, went to their websites, and I went to their about pages. I followed all of the young people that were you know, 25 and younger in those firms because those are the people that are still trying to make it. They're still trying to be validated. They want to feel validated, so they're going to be putting out on Twitter. They're going to be you know, they'll talk to you because they're not a big shot. So I would try to network with people that are at your same level. But also think about it. If I want to, I'm going to make a friend with someone that is a, maybe just an analyst at Union Square Ventures. Well, that's a huge, that's a very reputable firm. Why would I not want to network with this person now, make a friendship, and then we'll work together for the next 20 years. Like the people that are big now, they're going to be, they're not going to work as hard as you and this other young person are. So that's why, um, you know, Tim Ferriss said that too, like go after the B players, go after the people that are kind of in your same boat. Um, I'm trying to think of what else to network. Just ask people questions that just be interested in them. And like, just try to, I don't want to say like steal information from them, but just extract information from their brain that like will make you smarter. Like, if I was talking to Pat, if I was going to interview you, Pat, I would say right now, what is the most useful tactic that you use as a developer? Like this would be, you know, a lot of developers listen to this podcast. So the best advice that you could give any developer that is in high school right now, when they're sitting down and coding, what is the best tactic? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Uh, practice every day, get on and do algorithm practice, go on to leetcode.com. They will give you algorithms that are what that they use in interviews with Google on Amazon at Netflix, do algorithm practice. It gives you a chance to just try an algorithm. It's to me, it felt like doing crossword puzzles, but the more you do that crossword puzzle, the more you do Sudoku puzzles, the better you are at doing Sudoku puzzles. So if what we do a lot of times as computer scientists, especially backend developers, is algorithms. We need, this actually brings into the question I was going to ask you. Algorithms are a series of steps that are able to be repeated over and over by computers. It's a, algorithms is like a formalized recipe. So for me, the more algorithms I know and my ability to create algorithms directly relates with my success as a developer. So to make an algorithm out of what you said, RJ, for like a daily practice on social media, how if we can we simplify it to three to five steps to make it simple to want to be able to go on engage with someone to be able to get feedback as a daily practice in less than 10 minutes on twitter what well, what would those steps look like as an yeah, i would say one help someone just above you as in jan koenig is sort of a step above us we're using his platform 
I interact with him. When I see him tweet something, I'll usually retweet it or I'll, um, if he says, you know, the challenge is to build an Alexa app, you know, once one app per month, I would say challenge accepted. I would just tweet at him, give him a little reply, give him a favorite. Um, if you're trying to interact with someone that's a good way to get um, clout would be to interact with people like Naval Ravikant or people that tweet a lot, tweet them, tweet something that refers to them. So I made a tweet about Naval that he was an oblique. He was transferring oblique information. I forget what the exact tweet was, but I took everything, a thing I was learning in evolution about the spread of information in the way we do it. Like vertical is through generations. Horizontal is the same generation. Oblique is like across and vertical across generations to people that aren't related to you. So I said, he is an oblique oblique transfer of information and he favorited my tweet. Well, when someone favorites your tweet like that, other people will get notified or someone scrolling through his likes will see that. So I would say do something like that to someone. Also just tweet principles that you, you believe in yourself that you think are useful. Um, and just interact with people. I mean, just provide value, bring something to the table. That's it. No, just, this is the one rule. Just bring something to the table. If you're going to interact with someone, give them a boost, give them clout, like give them an alley-oop, ask them a question that they could answer and knock out of the park. That's the one rule. I will see you tomorrow, RJ. We're driving back from New York city right now. And tomorrow night we'll get together. And it looks like Samir wanted us to meet on Saturday for a developer jam sesh. So uh, I know your phone was having some issues. Is my, is my audio us. cutting out? Oh, no, okay. your audio is great. All right, bro. Good talk. See you tomorrow.